welcome to Tea Time with Monica. Are you ready to spill some tea? Hello loves and welcome to season three of Tea Time with Monica. Let's just sip on that right quick. Mm, Y'all know I got some good tea here. So I know I took another unexpected break. Some of you may already know because you follow me on social media um, that my dad passed away in October. So unexpected. And I had to take a break, of course, because I just couldn't believe what happened. Um, I know I explained in my last solo episode that he had been sick and suffering from kidney cancer. He had two major surgeries and the second surgery just had so many difficulties. His body has been through so much and ultimately I guess it was his time. And it was nothing that myself, my mother or my sister or anyone in my family expected. And this grieving process through these last few months has been difficult. I've had my ups and my downs. I am happy to say that I am back in therapy. My therapist was very gracious to let me come back to do grief therapy. Um, so it's been a little bit different these last few months. I mean, it's just been a whirlwind. I, now that I look back on it for 2021, I can say all of 2021 was a whirlwind. We found out early last year that my dad had kidney cancer just um, unexpectedly and got right on top of it. And everyone, the doctors, family, everybody worked together to do their best to help him heal from that and get him through that. Um, but so much happened during that time. I was coming out of therapy, healing, being happier, but knew that my dad was sick and was struggling with that without talking to people about it. I was very afraid because, you know, cancer can be tricky, which you just, it's so unexpected of what can happen. And I know so many people have been through cancer personally, and who have dealt with family members or loved ones, friends who have had cancer, and we all know that it can just be really unexpected of what happens. Um, I was going through my own personal stuff. I think I shared with you all that I've, I had to have a procedure which was an endometrial ablation, and I had to come to terms with that. You know, I wouldn't be able to carry a kid, uh, carry a child if I wanted to have a baby. Um, you know, luckily I've come to terms with that, and. I'm still doing work through the White Dress Project, a great fibroid organization that brings awareness to uterine fi people with uterine fibroids, connecting them with doctors and people for support. So going through my own personal stuff and going through, you know, my dad being sick and trying to be there for him and then ultimately losing him. And, you know, when everything first happened, it was like, you know, I went to all the spiritual stuff I thought of, you know, I learned in therapy. And, hold on, wait a minute. And, you know, I just went to that and I was like, you know, 
I've only lost him in the physical sense, which is still true. I've only lost my dad in the physical sense. He is still with me spiritually. But I wasn't trying to look at it as a loss. I was in denial, which is a stage of grief. You know, I'm, I grew up being a daddy's girl. And so I just couldn't believe that the person who protected me for so long, I no longer have that physical presence with me. And I did everything to just deny it. I didn't want to believe it. His dad is still with me. Like I said, he still is with me spiritually, but I didn't want to acknowledge. I didn't want to acknowledge the physical loss of his presence here, being able to hear his voice, call him every day, laugh with him, watch football with him. You guys, anybody who knows me knows that I wholeheartedly love football. And he, here's where I noticed the change. I have the hardest time watching football now. It doesn't, I love my team. I still love my Ravens, want them to win all the time. But at the same time, it didn't mean as much. I didn't care as much. I would get sad watching football because I spent so much of my time with my dad, just talking football, laughing about it. Those were our moments. Those were our daddy-daughter moments. And there are days when I can be okay, and there's days when I can't be okay. I remember, you know, my family always sees me as the strong one, the one who can deal with it because I internalize a lot. I don't show my emotions. I'm very private about it. So this is even hard for me coming on Tea Time and just sharing with you why there has been such a break and such an abrupt stop with episodes and because of something that happened to me. You know, it's a, it's, it's a void that is just, I don't know if it can never be filled in the way that it was and that I never knew was there. Like, you know, when you're a daddy's girl, daddy's always there, but you don't ever know what it's gonna feel like when daddy's gone. And you can no longer just call him and see his face and like I said, here's laugh, here's voice. It is it is challenging day in, day out to keep going. But I can say this over the summer, while my dad was going through before his second surgery, my mom went away with her sisters because she definitely needed a break being my father's you know caretaker through all of this all the years because my father was also a stroke victim he had, had already had health issues and then cancer came and it's just like really why are we throwing all of this at him but during that time that I was there with my father to help him and make sure he was okay um he and I had some serious talks and I remember one night he was just saying you know, he was concerned about my love life, which you know I talk about on here. He was concerned because I wasn't married. And I reminded him that he didn't raise me to need a man. Although I wanted, you know, I, I want the companionship. He didn't raise me to need a man. So he didn't need to be worried about me. He raised me to be a strong woman. We also talked about work and uh, you know, a lot of people know that my nine to five, I work in the DC political arena. And I attribute that to 
things that I did with my dad growing up. My dad got me into politics. He sent me and my sister and my cousins to work on a political cam political campaign and I stuck with it. And now I work in politics. And it was such a big thing for me and I didn't realize how much I stuck to it with the security of a job, with this is me and my dad, we enjoy this, we love this, and not stepping into my own. And I told him for the first time ever, Daddy, I'm unhappy. I am not happy where I am in my career. And he said, if you're not happy, change your career. And that, that meant everything to me, you guys, because I went to my dad for so much. He was best friend. My mom is my other best friend first. But I'm so sorry to be crying through this. But it meant so much to me to hear my father say make a change because I always went to him for that type of advice when it came to my career. And I also remembered him telling me he swears he never remembered it. Growing up, he used to say, was my, I knew my mom was unhappy working for the phone company. She was her happiest when she finally retired and got to work with kids and work in a school setting and education. And that's, she knew what she really wanted to do. But I remember growing up, he used to say, as soon as I turned 18, your mother didn't get to do everything she wanted in her life because she was married. When I turned 25, the conversation changed because that's the age my mom had my sister. And she, he would say, your mother didn't get to do everything in her life that she wanted to do because when she was your age, she was married with children. And I guess that was his way of telling me, before you get married or put yourself in a relationship, possibly lose yourself or not do things you want to do because you're obligated to include other people in your life, make sure you're happy. But his approval of me changing what I wanted to do and stepping into my own gave me so much peace. Because so for so many years, he'd be like, don't quit your job, you've got security. But, and so I would stay, you know, as unhappy as I was, I knew I had that security. But now I feel that as a promise to my dad, that I need to do more of stepping into my own. I need to understand that that approval of him saying baby if you're not happy change it like my life isn't about what he would want from me my life is about what I would want from me and as I look back on things that I know about my dad and things that stories he told me about him growing up and things that I just observed my dad lived his life to the fullest even if he made mistakes he knew how to deal with them. He was happy. He was so well loved by everyone in his immediate family and my mom's family, his colleagues, just friends, people that he knew. Even though we're still going through this treacherous COVID, so many people showed up to the church or sent letters, sent cards, flowers, everything, just because my dad touched them and some type of way in their life that he was an impactful person even in our church during his funeral even the priests you know recalled you know the memories of my father cooking and 
I just look back at his life and know that I need, I would love to be that impactful in my life. I, I would love for when it's my time to transition for someone to be like, oh my gosh, she had this much of an impact from so many different aspects of my life. My, I just look back and see how much I learned from my father. And so through this grieving period, when I have my low times, I try my best to think about those lessons. And I've, lo I've realized that those lessons mean so much more now. They're so much more clear. And I guess that is attributed to the fact of me tapping into my spiritual practices. But can I tell you for a good minute, I wasn't doing that. When everything first happened, it was like, yeah, I went to the spiritual side. Then it was like, oh my gosh, I don't care about anything. And my therapist had to remind me through one session, don't forget your spiritual practices. And which would encourage me to keep that, the prayer, the, you know, saging with my crystals and just having that meditation times, things that I've learned over this time in therapy is that's how I am going to continuously connect to my father in the spiritual realm because I never, ever want to lose any connection to my father. He may not be with here, me with here physically. I understand now that it is a loss, but not a total loss. And like I said, it still hurts that he is not here. And I mean, ups and downs, like I've, I still feel like I'm just in the beginning stages of grieving. Like it took me so long to even come to terms that it was depressing me. Um, I remember the week that I, I actually came to terms with it and said it out loud. I realized how angry I was and I was holding the anger that, oh my gosh, we just went through all of this. We worked so hard. The doctors worked so hard and he worked so hard to come home from the hospital and be with us. And then he passed. I mean, I mean, two days, literally two days after he came home from the rehab hospital and he was his old self. So that's why I was so unexpected. He was his determined self of anybody Anyone listening who knew my father knew he was always determined. He was always, everything was on his terms. And again, that's another lesson to live my life on my terms and no one else's because people may think, oh yeah, she doing what she wanted to do. This, that was me being rebellious against what I felt everybody wanted me to do or what I didn't want to do and they said I need to do. It wasn't necessarily living off my terms. It was survival of being rebellious because there were things in life that I had to do that I didn't want to do. Now I just see that differently. I can call my shots, but I have to understand that it's not about being rebellious. It's about going after what I want and what I deserve. And just knowing that gives me some peace. And knowing that my dad is with me, walking with me, and watching over me is giving me peace. But that anger part, there are times when I still, oh my gosh, you guys, like, I still get angry at times when I cannot express what I'm feeling. And... It's most of the time when I'm around my family, my immediate family, my sister, my mom, and my nieces, we're all going through the same thing, grieving, and we're all grieving differently. 
but there are moments when I want to cry, when I want to express that and I hold back because I don't want to start the chain reaction. So I may start feeling angry and acting like, I just want to go to bed. I just don't want anybody around me because I can't, I, I, I can't feel, I feel like I have to not feel at that moment because if I feel I'm gonna go, I'm gonna start crying and I don't wanna make anybody else cry. And it's, so it's, it's really, really hard. You know, I wanna be around my family this time. You know, people like be around your family, hold them close, but sometimes I really need to step away to just breathe, to just go through the motions, to just understand, okay, that was a trigger. I might have a day that I cry. I might have a day that I laugh. I might have a day that I speak out loud and I know my father's listening to me. I might pray and ask him to pray for me. I, I don't know. It just whatever comes, I want to feel that. <clears throat> and I don't want to feel guilty because at times I feel guilty when I'm in the moments and because I need to be there for myself. It's hard and I feel guilty. There were times when I, when, you know, in the first few weeks after my dad passed and I would, we would all be at my sister's house and I'd be, you know, with my mom by myself in the den and we'd be watching TV and I would go to sleep because I didn't know what to say to her. I didn't know and then I felt guilty because it's like, oh my gosh, I could talk to my dad about anything. I called them when my dad was, you know, living and they were in their their apartment you know I called them daily laughed with them I called them almost every day two three times a day and I mean it didn't matter what it was for I'd be mad if they didn't answer the phone and I would talk to them on FaceTime so when I'm away sometimes it's hard to call my mom because I'm, I was so used to I had to get used to a new norm of my dad not being there when I FaceTime her but I would FaceTime her because I knew it would help her if I wasn't around but there are times when we just sat there in silence because I didn't know what to say. I would turn on something for TV for her so she could watch it and just go to sleep. Because I didn't know she was feeling. I felt her being an empath. I felt her, I still feel her sadness, her grief with it. I feel my own grief. I can't place my own feelings because I'm picking up on her or my sister or anything when we're having a moment. And so... This is, this is so, so hard to go through. But I'm pushing through because I know my dad would not want me sitting here. I know he would be looking down and be like, what's wrong with you? I'm fine. I can take care of myself. That was always what he said. Even when, you know, after his stroke and we would try to help him. So I'm fine. I can take care of myself. I don't need them. Y'all just take me. I look like y'all to be around. But the crazy thing is... And one of those conversations that we had over the summer, he knew something wasn't right. I remember him saying to me, what's wrong with the first surgery, baby girl? This second one scares me. I don't know what's gonna happen. It's like he almost knew. And he was trying to tell me and prepare me. And I feel like me going through therapy, part of it wasn't only for me to heal, but it was for to prepare me for this moment. All that spiritual practice, learning spirituality, learning about, you know, connecting with my ancestors. 
it seriously was preparation because I never, never could have thought that this would happen at this time. Nobody was ready. I don't think you're ever ready to lose a loved one, especially a parent, especially a parent. There are, there's no way to prepare you whether they're sick in the hospital, home doing fine. There's no way to fully prepare yourself to go through that. And if you've never been through losing someone who took, who raised you, that man or a parent that you're so connected, anyone that you're so connected to, it's so hard, especially when you're the family that has to go through, this person has passed, we have to do this memorial. Oh crap, we gotta get through the holidays. You, you gotta imagine what myself and my family just went through. It was, he passed. Thanksgiving, which was his favorite holiday. Christmas, my mother's favorite holiday. And New Year. Now his birthday is coming up at the end of the month, January 26th. And I don't know how I'm gonna get through that. Um, I really don't. I really don't. My family was so, is so family oriented. I do have plans to hopefully either go somewhere to a restaurant, eat you know his favorite meal, steak and lobster, baked potato. We did it every year like it was clockwork. Um, or, you know, be with my mom and sister and maybe have his favorite meal, whatever we're all up to at that moment, whether it's together or separate, just to get through that day. And it's a lot of first, you know, first holidays without my dad, first, you know, time for his birthday without him, a new year without him. This is, I'm 40 and I knew 40 was going to be different. I knew it was going to be a totally new chapter and didn't know this was part of that 40 story but my therapist said something to me in one of our sessions um she said death is only the beginning so i've thought about that i'm i, I let that marinate and in our last session when she asked me what are you going to birth in the new year and usually y'all i'm doing like a vision board, I already know, okay, I'm gonna focus on this, I'm gonna focus on that. Some of it gets done, some of it doesn't. And my simple answer was me. I was gonna birth me. Because I could focus on my health, which is part of what I'm gonna do in birthing me. I could be like, I'm gonna focus on my love life, I'm gonna focus on this. Not saying that I'm not gonna have some attention to those things. But me, because this is so, this is a new part of my life, a new a new journey of living my life without my father's physical presence and learning how to live for me and no one else. Because I thought I was doing that, but I wasn't. I was unhappy with my love life, you know, when I got into therapy, but you know, wasn't that wasn't the only thing I was happy with. I'm disgusted about being unhappy with my career, un, unhappy where I am in, in this stage of my life or that stage of my life. I have a lot to clean up in my book still. I have a lot, and I don't mean just like relationship-wise. I just feel like, you know, in my life, I, I need to be financially stable. There are financially stable, I mean mentally stable. Spiritually, I need to reconnect because I'm not fully in my full spiritual practice that was helping me. And I just need to get back to me. So when I said to my therapist, I was gonna birth me, 
I need to be more intentional on what I'm doing. Thought I was, I was starting to get there and then this happened and so much went on pause. So much went on pause. I, I even felt guilty for not doing episodes and then I just came to, t I just couldn't do it. I couldn't bring myself to interview people. This, this even, this is my little studio in my apartment and I didn't even have this together. It was a mess. Everything was a mess. Physically, mentally, spiritually, everything was a mess because I had just been torn. It was like a big piece of me was just ripped out. And I'm trying to put those pieces back together. So simple answer for this year, birthing me. I didn't even do a vision board this year. And usually I do a vision board every year. I started doing it, got into it, really got into it. And every year I would do a vision board. I would go on Pinterest, have magazines, and have my day of just peace and doing my vision board. Sometimes do it with friends, family, whatever. And this year I was like, I don't want to do a vision board. Now, difference is I am trying to start journaling. I'm not an expert on it yet, but I'm trying to have a morning routine of journaling, doing the 369 manifestation. If you don't know what that is, you know, you get up, you write your affirmation or manifestation three times in the morning to set your tone for the day, six times in the afternoon to reset your vibration, nine times before you go to bed so you can kind of vibrate on that and dream about your desires and bring that into it. And I can explain so much more about it, but we'll get into that in another episode. That'll be another topic I bring to you later on this year. But between that, trying to have a morning routine where I can meditate, pray, drink my water, have my tea. Um, having a nighttime routine. I just got finished reading. I can't wait to tell you guys about the book I'm reading. Hopefully I can get the author on for a episode. But reading and my wind down, if you've looked at any of my stories on my personal page, Monica underscore the curvy diva with the K. Um, you can see that I color to wind down. My sister always laughs at me. My niece, when I was getting new color pencils, she was like, you still color at your big age? And I'm like, it winds me down. It calms me. It's calming. When I did art therapy last year, I noticed that being that creative and just sitting there and concentrating on that kind of helped me. It's one of my coping mechanisms now. Um, so I color. I read now. <laughs> was not an avid reader growing up, but I read so much more now. So it's me learning ways to cope, me learning ways to fill a void. And it's so hard because sometimes, you know, I do feel a little regretful that I don't have a quote unquote titled boyfriend. Um, I don't have a husband and I feel like sometimes I'm lacking the emotional support and, and sometimes even though I would not like being in you know not like the relationships or how they turned out or not having a you know being in a quote-unquote substantial relationship or like I said being married having my a family of my own somewhat um, I always knew my dad was there and now that that physical presence is gone feel lost sometimes and lonely and then feeling like there's a lack of emotional support from a male companion at times hurts and then that's when I feel empty 
And when I feel lonely, and when I have my really bad moments of grieving, therapy does help, but it hurts to know sometimes that I've got to pay somebody to get some of this out instead of always having people. Now, don't get me wrong, my friends have been there, um, you know, male, female, but having that intimate connection with someone that I can lean on, that I can cuddle up with when I need a hug. You know, my father always gave me big hugs when he saw me. Well, we would, like I said, sit and watch football or laugh on the phone and watch football. Luckily, I have a great brother-in-law who I have a football conversations with, and so when he's home and I'm over there, I got me to even notice now sometimes I'm texting him about football just to fill that void again. So I thank him for being a best big brother-in-law. But um, this year is going to be challenging for me. But it is my promise to my dad that I will make myself happy because I know it will make him and my mom happy. And I'm going to live my life for me and be more intentional on it. I'm going to learn how to soothe those moments and these moments that are tough. And when I miss my dad, like right now, I'm going to tell her birthday. But I love you and I miss you. And I need your strength. Because that was what I said to him when he passed. When I was, I asked him, I said, Father, give me your strength. Because I know I need it. You know, people can think I'm strong. For the most part, I can be. This has pulled something else out of me. I know that I'll be okay. I know that I'm going to have moments where I cry even years from now. <clears throat> but the one thing I'm happy about that I continue, because my dad was so happy before he passed to hear about me getting into voice acting. I remember I did let him hear one of my recordings from one of my classes. So I got through both of my voice acting classes despite my father passing. And my instructor was so so understanding when I had to miss class once or twice. And um, my private coach has been so understanding and helping me through it. Even when I'm thinking, I remember I had a rough, I thought I had a rough session because I was just got out of therapy. I had just come to terms with the depression about my father's passing. And I just thought I had a terrible time. And I got in there and I did a documentary uh, narration on Nero Caesar. And the next day she sent me a great message saying how proud she was of me and how I prepared for our session and how I was so committed to the work despite what I was going through. And that, that helped me know that I was doing something right. Using my voice, speaking up for myself, for others, doing this type of content through a podcast doing the voiceovers it gives me so much joy and energy to do that so I'm going to continue because it makes me happy and like I said my father was so happy he just couldn't wait to hear it and I know he's looking down at me and like keep going baby keep going because you know it makes you happy it really does so it's things like that that I'm going to have to do color read 
dance, move this energy when I'm sad and just figure it out. But knowing that I don't have to have all the answers, that God is gonna protect me, my dad, my ancestors that he is with now, rejoicing and no longer in pain. I just know that I'm gonna get through this and heal and get better and it's really gonna take some time and I thank God for therapy. I thank God for spaces to speak. I thank God for my friends and my family. But most of all, I thank God that I had my father and that we had such a great relationship. No matter if there were times where I was upset because daddy wanted me to do something I didn't want to do or he didn't do something that I wanted him to do. Being a daddy's girl is hard when uh, you want him to, you want your way all the time and sometimes you don't get it. And I'm glad I was a daddy's girl and that I had some a man in my life that loved me no matter what. And I don't know that I'll ever have anybody in life to love me the way that my father did. But I pray that someone loves me enough to hold me up. Loves me enough to be there when I need them. The way my father would want them to be. Because he was so afraid of me not having somebody. But I still want him to know that he raised me to never need anybody. But just to want that. Because I've gotten through life without it. You know, I, I was I was sad for so many years because of, of the reproductive health issues and I came, I was able to come to terms with not being a mother in the traditional way. I'm going to continue to come to terms that I have suffered a big loss in my life. But that is not a total loss. And the death is only, begin only the beginning. And I'm going to allow my father's death to give me life. Give me life that I am happy about. That I can cherish. And that is happy and blissful. And that I can ride the waves that ebb and flow of life. And I can get through the good times and the hard times. One of the things that I'm going to work on this year, I'm going to challenge myself to do is work on my ancestor wall. My therapist and I talked about that as well. And she said, you know, you never, you, it's, I know it's going to be hard for you to add your dad's photo to your ancestor wall, but it's going to help you. I think that might be a really hard day for me. But I think it'll bring me joy to see how many people are around with my father watching over me, praying for me, rooting for me, giving me the strength that I need to go on, to be happy in life, to get what I deserve, and to help me when I need that spiritual work and I need that help. I really am happy that I know that and that I learned that through therapy because I know that that has helped me along the way, even when I felt down. That it just isn't easy. But I am happy to be back doing episodes. I am so happy to be back on this podcast. It was hard to get back on here. I don't know how many times I told my, 
my co-executive producer Mickey like I'm gonna record I'm gonna record and I was not able to do so because I just was like oh I'm gonna cry I don't want to cry but hey you know shit it happens you cry um you know it's an it's a release you have to be okay with crying whether it's good bad or indifferent it is a release of whatever emotions whether it's happy sad angry frustration whatever pleasure whatever it is in life crying is a release and it's okay you have to be okay with crying no matter who you are don't let everybody tell you you're a punk because you cry you know i'm a cancer so people say we're cry babies nah half the time we cry because we can't hurt you but we cry because we're releasing emotion and it's okay i think it's healthy to deal with your emotions you don't always have to hold that shit in so release that shit but like i said I am happy to be back doing tea time with Monica, bringing you some good tea. Y'all, earlier today, I did my first interview. And I cannot wait for you guys to listen to that interview. Oh my gosh. That tea is going to be so good. Get ready for it. It is on mental health and, high, and its correlation with hypersexuality. So I cannot wait. I cannot wait to do some more interviews. Hopefully I can do some in-person ones. COVID safe though. Um, and you know, as I go through this, there are gonna be times where I come on here and I talk to you about, you know, the stages of grief I'm going through, possibly what I'm doing new in life, just to, like I said, live my life for me get through this process of grief because I'm not finished grieving and like I said I feel like I'm really just getting into the grieving process and thank God like I said thank God for therapy let me tell you one of my friends told me girl you handing out therapy cards so let me hand out this therapy card to you that you are listening if there is anything that you need to tackle and you because we've been through such a all this trauma with COVID but just not that just like anything you're not thinking that you are tackling go to therapy ain't nothing wrong with therapy honey go to therapy you have this unbiased person that you can talk to that helps you sort things out gives you some go on to therapy this year that's the card i'm giving to everybody at the beginning of the year it's the new year you want to start something new take your behinds to therapy because let me tell you it helps trust me all my friends have told me they have seen a difference in me through this therapist and trust me one thing that i learned Pray that God, your spirit guides, guardian angels, your ancestors, pray to them. Ask them to send you the right therapist. Because sometimes you got to you got to deal with a different therapist. And I've said this before. It's almost like you got to, it's almost like dating. You got to date a therapist until you find the right one. But maybe if you pray about it, you ask God for the right, send you to the right therapist. Your ancestors, send you what you need. And you'll get it. You'll get what you need with a therapist and you will you won't believe how much it helps you in life it helps you restructure what you want to do how to deal with things differently and just live a happier life because if i didn't have therapy i don't know what i'd be doing through this grieving this grieving stage i don't know where i would be i probably would be up shit's creek without a goddamn paddle i really would i wouldn't know what to do i would be if I hadn't had therapy that year and a, for a year and a half, I would have been a total mess. I, everything would have gone totally, totally different in that moment of my father's passing that day. And 
all the weeks, months leading up afterwards. It, it would have been totally different for me and I would have been in, in shambles. And I think I have rode this wave better than I thought I could. But like I said, I do have my moments. So, I, uh, again, thank you all for always listening and supporting Tea Time with Monica. Please share, you know, my episodes with people. Go back and listen to stuff that you, you know, want to listen to. But get ready for some great episodes this season. I mean, I'm in season three. I can't believe it. Still even going through all of this. So, thank you for the support. Thank you for the love. And most of all, thank you, God, for my father. And Padre, I will always love you. I promise you, this year and the rest of my life is going to be different, but it's going to be for me. And I'm going to be happy like you always wanted me to be. I am. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to do this. But you make sure you send me, if you already haven't sent him, you know, because I think you might have sent him already, but make sure the person in my life is loving me right. How about that? How about that? Make sure that they're loving me right. Because I know if you were still here, Padre, you'd get on. Always a fan. I love you, Padre. I love you, audience. So, this is me saying, bye, loves! Welcome to season three of Tea Time with Monica. It's gonna be great, boos. Bye! You've been listening to Tea Time with Monica. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast media. Give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And follow me on social media at Monica underscore the curvy diva, spelled M-O-N-I-C-A underscore T-H-E-K-U-R-V-Y-D-I-V-A and at Tea Time with Monica.